0: Support your journey to wellness at B I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. Betty Boop. She's a pop culture icon. She's recognized the world over for either roadside attraction in America. No matter where from, you know Betty. But who is she, really? Well, she is the subject of a little bit of controversy in recent years on her origins, and this week, we're going to take a bit of a deep dive into it. So, if that sounds good to you, let's get started so like i said in the beginning of the episode betty boop is kind of this figure that i don't think she's like a uh she's almost kind of more similar to a mickey mouse or a bugs bunny in that you don't really recognize her from one single thing she's kind of just this figure that's just been around for a very long time um, and fun fact, this, this episode was, was really birthed, uh, from a very funny experience or instance that I had, um, in and around Halloween weekend this year where I, uh, went as, as Betty Boop and I was in, the bathroom of, of this <laughs> of this bar and I come in and obviously I'm dressed in, in full Betty Boop garb and the people who are in the bathroom, they're like, oh, are you, are you Betty Boop? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Betty Boop. And so they are just like, what was she from? You know, in our, you know, somewhat inebriated stupor, we're all trying to put our heads together, figuring out like, what do we know her from? And none of us could really come to that conclusion at any given point. We're kind of just like... She just has been there and I was like, merchandise? Like I just feel like I've only seen her on like t shirts and mugs and shot glasses and you know, salt and pepper shakers, things like that. Um and the whole interaction was very funny to me because it's just like Betty Poop is this very like well known figure that we really don't know number one, the origins of and number two, the like the 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 likeness and everything about her character we can't really point it to any shorts that she's been in or you know films or tv shows like the most that i can think of as far as betty boop on screen that i can recall as being something that i would you know recognize is her very brief cameo in who framed roger rabbit where she's talking to uh the detective, Eddie, and she's like, I still got it, Eddie. And she's like this waitress at this bar that Jessica is performing at. And it's like two minutes, but as far as her presence in pop culture goes, she's just kind of just this, this figure. She's just this, this being, you know, like she just shows up really for me. She's just kind of like solely this promotional figure that still has this very endearing quality. And you wouldn't think that she also kind of is this figure that's also shrouded in a little bit of controversy as far as her origin story goes. So, we're going to get into that. So, a couple of years ago, PBS put out this uh, listicle article, um, or that's redundant, but they put out this listicle, which is a list and an article, very much like BuzzFeed, things like that, um, that was about unknown black history uh facts and one of the facts was that Betty Boop was based off of this um early 20s performer by the name of Esther Lee Jones or also known as Baby Esther and uh that she was kind of this unknown figure and Betty Boop kind of had these unknown origins and a lot of people credit Betty Boop's you know likeness, personality, inspiration to another performer by the name of Helen Kane. And Helen Kane famously sued the Fleischer brothers, who were the creators of Betty Boop, the character, uh, for infringing on her likeness, which was a case that ultimately she lost. Um, But the whole fact was centered around that it wasn't Helen Kane who was the inspiration for Betty Boop. It was actually this performer, Baby Esther, who was this kind of lesser known black entertainer in the like twenties, you know, era of flappers and the like. And that story kind of went wild. It spread like wildfire. And rightfully so, I think I'm not necessarily um too critical of a story like that spreading because we've heard of many instances of characters who we know having, you know, either very whitewashed origins or having origins that are less than savory figures like mickey mouse who has like his origins have been obviously traced to vaudeville and minstrelsy and blackface and eventually that very you know unsavory pass was left behind for a much more favorable image of the origin of a very beloved character known the world over um so we've seen it we've seen instances like this happen before and it was just something that we you know, had no real reason to not think was, was, was true. And it wasn't until a couple of years after that article, I think it was posted around 2017, or so. And after that article kind of went wild, I think it might have been maybe four or five years later, PBS issues this retraction of like, hey, that wasn't very true. Um, That's not really the case. And so let's go to start with with betty and her origins you have to start with with this story so a lot of what uh was i guess used to corroborate uh betty's origins and the like was this this image of uh who was believed to be baby esther um and the image that was kind of going wild, which I don't even know the origins of this image. I think it might have been someone even doing just a really good cosplay of Betty Boop um, and like had very good filters and cameras and stuff to take a lot of pictures in a like 20s style. So it looked like a 20s promotional image of, of Baby Esther, but that didn't end up being the case. It's understood that uh Baby Esther's like, you know, where she ended up is pretty unknown. And, you know, she was kind of this child performer. She had this, you know, grand career, so much of her of her childhood. And as she moved towards adulthood, she kind of walked away from the spotlight. And it's not really known what happened to her beyond that. So the whole reason why this PBS article had to issue, they had to issue a retraction and all these things was because a picture was used, again, of who could be a cosplayer. We don't really know where this picture came from, but it was used to say, like, this is baby Esther and this picture and I wish I could describe it, but the picture that's used is a very convincing image that looks like a dead ringer for Betty Boop. And so obviously the picture looks old enough. The likeness looks close enough. It looks like the, the Betty Boop was based off of this this picture. And that turns out to not be the case. Apparently someone, uh, you know, I don't want to say, I don't think they called in, but they emailed in and said like, hey, I don't think that that photo that you're using in this article is actually of baby esther um there's some belief that she died in womanhood um or she was not old enough to be like photographed and the the picture that they use oftentimes is someone obviously in their you know like 20s um so it was believed that she didn't Either she wasn't photographed in her 20s or she just, you know, she died in her 20s. It's really not known. Along with her birth year, it's also not known. There's not a ton of information on her, um, her, her, her life and, and death and everything. It's kind of, a lot of it is speculation. So they email in, they say, hey, I don't think that this picture is actually a uh, baby Esther. And no, um, allegedly, they just kind of, PBS being the they, they just take the picture down. They keep the, the copy that goes along with the fact up. That it is that Esther Jones was the actual inspiration for Betty Boop. And it wasn't, es- it wasn't Helen Kane and all these other things. Um, but, That also then led to a further kind of spiraling of this story of this kind of like, you know, figure that has been taken and been whitewashed. So according to PBS, this then involves the Fleischer family and Mark Fleischer, who is the grandson of Max Fleischer, gets involved and wants to, you know, kind of set the record straight and everything like that. Yada, yada, yodel. What ends up happening is that they kind of put i guess the the rumors to rest that it was actually not one given person that was the inspiration for betty boop but more so the entire flapper movement that was the inspiration for betty boop you know it's not one single person that can take credit for you know where her her You know, character and everything came from so that's kind of the story that's where we've we've ended up with Betty Boop for in recent years there was this kind of massive movement of like oh Betty Boop was actually based off of this black figure who was then taken and whitewashed and everything like that and that's just not the case now do I fully believe that you know Esther Jones had nothing to do with the character Betty Boop I don't necessarily believe that um the Fleischer on Fleischerstudios.com, they did do a pretty good um, profile of, of baby Esther. And they talk about how in her career, she had a very fruitful career for much of her childhood. She went to New York and did a little bit of performing while she was in New York. Her manager and her dad, I think, were like charged and arrested and like went to jail because she didn't have a permit to perform in clubs and whatnot. Like, so it wasn't illegal that it wasn't illegal for child performers to perform in bars, but you had to have a permit. And apparently they didn't have that. So they went to jail. But after that, um, baby Esther goes on to have this really fruitful career in Europe. She performs for all of these different dignitaries. She performs in different languages. She's known. So like the continent, over like people are really really love her they love her act she performs in you know a ton of different places and i think she finds a really big boom in her career it's not really covered by a lot of the um mainstream um media over in the us which is why it's relatively unknown but a lot of black media outlets uh, have a lot of of articles on her and what she's doing and all the things and all the the accolades that she's accruing while she's over in Europe. And then by the time she returns to the States in 1932, she kind of leaves the uh, moniker Baby Esther behind because she's a little bit older. She goes on to perform at the Cotton Club, which a lot of of the um, the talk about her was that she was this performer at the cotton club she was this headliner and that wasn't necessarily the case her stint at the cotton club in harlem which was a very famous venue for a lot of black performers didn't come until after her european stint um and by the age of 15 that's when her career she decided to take a step back and her career was was pretty much was pretty much done um and then around this time that's when this um case with Helen Kane comes up and everything so with this case with Helen Kane to divert a little bit away from from Esther Jones the case with uh, Helen Kane is her v the Fleischers and her case was that she had had her likeness her you know her visuals the way that she sung her baby vamp persona Taken from her by the Fleischers to create this character who was incredibly successful, named Betty Boop, and eventually that case was was kind of thrown out and not settled because there was no definitive evidence that all the things that Esther, or uh, excuse me, that Helen Kane was claiming to be indicative to her was was actually hers, and mainly the thing that she kind of claimed ownership of was the kind of like the boop the boop boop be doop, the ad libbing that we know uh Betty Boop for she claimed that it was it was her it was her thing it was the thing that she had done and that was indicative of her character what the actual situation was was that in the 19 almost as early like some people testified during that case in the 19 uh like almost as early as 1915, that that style of singing, the booping and the ad-libbing in that way um, was indicative of a lot of people, including and not limited to Baby Esther. There was an instance where Baby Esther's manager is brought on the stand and recalls seeing Helen Kane visit a club called the Everglades where baby Esther was performing and seeing her act because at the time baby Esther was billed as the miniature Florence Mills um and that was kind of how she got a lot of work a lot of child performers were able to get a lot of work um as like miniatures of very popular celebrities performers singers dancers um that's how they kind of got their their big breaks and So at the time, Baby Esther's kind of gig was being the miniature Florence Mills. And at that time, Helen Kane sees her, goes to the bar, sees her act. So to me, whatever likeness, whatever things that Helen Kane was claiming ownership of, allegedly, I think you still can credit to to Esther Kane and other popular performers of of the time I think a lot of the things she was trying to claim were like oh they're mine and I'm seeing them in Betty Boops I'm like well really you could say that they're they're baby Esther's and you're taking credit for them if I'm being real if I'm being real that's I think she lifted her bit from baby Esther and then wanted to take credit for it and the courts were like "Eh, babe you're not that's not your thing (laughs) a lot of people are doing that you were just one of them I don't think that that's your whole shtick so that's kind of a lot of the the controversy that surrounds Betty Boop is that there's this kind of um, arms race if you will or this this vying from a lot of different parties to claim ownership of like who is the likeness of, of Betty Boop and ultimately the consensus is that Betty Boop is kind of this amalgamation of a lot of different people um and the two people that kind of got wrapped into the middle of it were helen kane and baby esther now do i think that baby esther just had strictly nothing to do with the character of betty boop and it was completely coincidental i don't think so i mean like we don't know we weren't there in the 20s and 30s but i do know how a lot of the characters similar to betty boop the the fate that they met as far as being you know the unspoken inspiration for his This character and that character, and then years down the line, it's like, oh, actually, no, it wasn't that. Like, I don't think that Baby Esther was completely devoid of being connected to Betty Boop, but as far as the story goes of being the, you know, unknown talent who then gets her bit lifted from this other, more popular white talent who tries to take credit and things like that, that's not the official story. But like I said, that isn't to say that there isn't some semblance of, of truth to baby Esther being one of the inspirations for, for Betty Boop. I believe that the whole crux of Betty Boop being this amalgamation of flapper culture, because flappers were very popular in the, in the twenties. And so I completely understand and get that perspective. But like I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't be the authority here on who is and who isn't. But I also know kind of, you know, the song and dance about these things tend to go. And who's to say that Baby Esther wasn't one of the major um, inspirations for Betty Boop. But it is appreciated that, number one, PBS offered or attempted to offer an attra- a retraction for that original story. I think it's the thing that happens with social media, which is, you put something out, it spreads like wildfire. And if it's it's not necessarily true, it's too late. The story has taken on a new life within the public and it's no longer yours. But they still did issue the retraction and the Fleischer Studios also did a a really good profile on Baby Esther. So I highly recommend looking into Baby Esther as a performer um, and other performers around the time too, because I think you'll see what kind of completes the the tapestry and the collage that is Betty Boop as a character. So to get back to the character itself, so getting away from, you know, her inspirations, the kind of very human side of it, Betty, the cartoon, also takes on a really interesting life of her own. Um, So she, a lot of what, the purpose of cartoons were around this time the twenties and thirties were to be opening acts for movies. Um, so when you went to a theater, you saw a little short, usually of a little cartoon. Um, and then you would go on and see whatever the feature presentation was. And so you would see Betty Boop up on the big screen and she is, she's this hit. Alongside characters like Felix the Cat and Mickey Mouse, like Betty Boop, is she is that girl? You know, she's the ITG IRL, like she is the knit girl in more ways than one. And it is you know due very very much so in large part to her physical appearance, in that she is you know wearing this kind of like short skirt and everything like that, and she's you know kind of got this very vampy vibe to her and everything like that. Like she is very much so this this icon her initial character designs are that of a dog i think the original uh character design for her was that she was kind of this like dog human hybrid situation and then eventually uh they kind of temper that down she was the character she was the girlfriend of this character named bimbo um And when people started to kind of flock to Betty as a character, they gave her a little bit of a makeover and made her a a human and kind of really abandoned her dog um, origins. And I will say, when uh, a lot of the, before the retraction from PBS and the public assumption was that Betty was based off of this black character, I do want to say that the people who were like, well, actually, she started off as a dog. Um, the people who are trying to be weird and racist, um, you're still weird and racist. I do hope you know that, and I do hope you 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 keep that to heart because that's that's still odd and that's a bit strange. Um, but I digress. But <laughs> as we as we move into the thirties and Betty kind of really starts to take on a life of her own and is a character that people really enjoy, um, and the Fleischer Studios are like, wait, we gotta we gotta hit here. Um, and now, mind you, Fleischer remind you. Fleischer Studios is kind of the only counter to Disney. Like this was they were around at a time where Disney was not what it wants or what it is now. Like the assumption that it is Disney is this titan of the industry as far as animation goes. Like Disney was still very much playing the long game with every other studio. And Fleischer's were known for characters like Betty Boop and Felix the Cat and Coco the Clown. Like they were, they had all these different characters that The public really really enjoyed and so they were at the the top of the heap you know so people really really loved the character one i think and i said that you know we do in my little bar bathroom interaction i couldn't really recall a piece of of Television or, or film that I remember Betty Boop being in it, but that's not fully true. In my now much more sober state, I can recall one very piece of uh animate, very famous piece of animation, I should say, which features uh Coco the clown and Betty Boop, and it's a uh, very famous piece of, of animation. Anyone who's very familiar with animation history knows this uh, rotoscoping, the process in which you kind of take uh, live action footage and you animate over top of that. So you're animating the live action, um, movements and things like that. So a very famous short that comes out around this time features Coco the Clown, Betty Boop, um, and Bembo, her former beau. And it's a very famous piece of kind of surrealist art, um, that features the, uh, the musical stylings of Cap Calloway. He's the, uh, I guess, kind of seemingly voice of, of Coco the Clown, but it's just a, it's a a song that's put underneath Coco and he's doing this very intricate dance and it is a dance that Cap Calloway would do during his sets and that becomes a very famous piece of animation history. And so there you have it. Betty Boop is very much so animation history and that short is one of the biggest pieces of animation history so Betty Boop is kind of similar in a weird way. Betty Boop is kind of like a the Barbie of her time because she does a lot of different things. Like a lot of the shorts that she's been put into, they kind of just have her doing a bunch of crazy things and like just kind of being there. Like people, I, it cannot be understated how much people just wanted to see Betty. People just love Betty They just wanted to see her. So they just put her kind of in any situation. And any situation is very true. Betty was constantly put in these very precarious situations with all of these men. And it was very bad. It was not a good time for her. Um, It was it was again it was just very so very much so, not a good time for for her as a a character but she was put in a lot of very precarious situations and she was very much so a damsel in distress kind of needed help in and getting out of these situations um and a lot of the the crux of the comedy of these shorts that she was in was like haha this woman is being chased and she doesn't want that isn't that so funny? Or haha, this woman is being assaulted and she doesn't want that. Isn't that so funny? And it's like, no, it's not. I don't think um, that's not that. The Fleischer is very much so more than Disney ever would. Even though early Mickey Mouse can get a little bit um, precarious at certain points, but the Fleischer Studios weren't afraid of leaning into the sex symbol status of, of Betty and kind of making her this object of, of desire in a lot of ways. And they, I think were able to accrue a little bit of a, an audience from that. And people enjoyed it. And eventually that would kind of, you know, tap her out and it wouldn't be that way. And the reason that it, it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't be that way is because something comes along that we've talked about on the show before, which is called the Hayes Code. Hayes Code puts to rest a lot of what was happening to Betty Boop as a character at the time and it eventually leads to her having this whole kind of like image change and a lot of the situations that she was put in a lot of the sexually suggestive situations that she was put in ultimately were were donezo it was like no go under Hayes code Betty Boop as a character kind of changes completely and we see a very different Betty Boop that that comes along and a lot of the like I said a lot of the sex symbol status of Betty begins to deteriorate quite quickly and so also around this time I think that's when they kind of move her out of being this uh shorts kind of on film this film star uh, like, status that she has begins to to dwindle a little bit because a lot of the situations, like I said, a lot of the shorts that she was in um, were no longer good to do under Hayes' code. So she goes from having these very outlandish and kind of crazy situations to just being very kind of, like, you know, not, I wouldn't say meh, because um, I think for her sake, it was much much better but it's sanitized quite a bit and that is just kind of like what happens with a lot of characters around this time and a lot of films and you know everything haze code as we've talked about before when we talked about old hollywood changes pretty much everything about the industry and changes everything about um how characters are written and how they're performed and how they even look um At this point, Betty, I think, gets a bit of a rebrand. She gets like, uh, she's usually seen in kind of her strapless little flapper number with her garter showing, but post Hayes Code, she gets a dress that is a little bit more uh, conservative. I wouldn't say it's all that much more conservative. They just give her sleeves and a dress that's like long enough to cover the garter. And then that's it. But she, as a character, looks quite different and, uh, ultimately, I think that just kind of changes the, the spirit of, of the character. And ultimately, like the Fleischers just by 1939, uh, begin to retire the Betty Boop cartoons. And so we really don't see Betty as this character who, um, is kind of, you know, this crazy kind of sex symbol and this icon and all these ways. Like she kind of goes on the shelf for, for a little bit. And it's not until the 1950s that she has, a bit of a, a return when Paramount sells a lot of the shorts that she was in. Um, Paramount acquires the rights and they sell the shorts that are pre-1950 um, to this new advent that's come along that needs things to put on, you know, screen, which is television. So Betty gets this new life and in television, but more importantly, she gets a new life via Advertisements and merchandise, which is ladders back to what I was saying earlier, which is like, I feel like I mainly know Betty Boop, not from any short, not from any film that she's been in, from the merch. I myself own two to three Betty Boop shirts, one of which I found in the thrift store, another one I found like at Marshall's, like a new shirt. Like, Betty Boop, if Betty Boop can be on a shirt, she will be on a shirt. Like, go to any major kind of uh, city in, in the United States and maybe in other parts of the world too, I can't attest, but in the United States, you will see Betty Boop on a t-shirt. She will be on a purse. Literally, I remember going to <laughs> Universal Studios with my family um, this past summer and there's a still a Betty Boop dedicated store. And let me tell you something, you see her, on nightgowns on t-shirts on slippers like she's everywhere the grandmas were in that store gobbling up the merch for sure <laughs> that's kind of like that's kind of where her legacy has has ended up it's crazy that she has this rather boisterous beginning and rather controversial beginning and it maybe did it didn't start off very controversial but her image began shrouded in so much controversy, whether it's from who was the inspiration for the character to just simply the situations that she was put in via her shorts and everything like that. But then ultimately due to, you know, Hayes Code, there's this massive interruption of her character and she kind of is relegated to, you know, being this even more flat 2d image on our merchandise and even more weirdly enough of her autonomy is taken away because you don't see her in motion anymore. You see her just on a t-shirt or on pajama pants or on slippers or things like that. Like that is where her, her, her image is, is, is there. And that's where it is. That's where it's supposed to be. That's where it'll stay. Um, so there's not really anything so crazy about her as a character. But there is something weirdly, I wouldn't say revolutionary, but historic about the be- the character of Betty Boop. I think in a lot of ways she predates so many other characters that used what Betty Boop began as and kind of extrapolated on it. You know, you think of your your Jessica Rabbits, your Hollywoods, these characters who... um embrace sexuality and embrace you know the kind of flapper lifestyle um it's crazy to see that she kind of got that start and then this is where this is where she ended up so i hope you enjoyed this week's episode afternooners if you don't know the afternooners is my name for all of us so if you made it to the end of this episode congratulations you're an afternooner now if you want to know where else to find me on the internet you can find me at the afternoon special on tiktok or instagram or over on twitter at hi i'm bobby h-i-i-m-b-o-b-b-i and if you're thinking bobby i really need to scour ebay for some vintage bitty boop merch i'm not gonna have time to remember all of that bestie i got you and i put all that information in the description down below just for you you're welcome I hope you enjoyed this week's chat and that you will join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends.
0: Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh, I thought it was weird, too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again.
1: Welcome to a journey
0: into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs?